Nothing compares to that promise we have in the Lord. Isn't he wonderful? Amen. Amen. I want to welcome each one into the provided place of worship. Amen. It's not this church. It's in Jesus Christ. And Amen. I want to welcome each of you into him and trust that that's where you are this morning. Not just in a living room, not just in a church pew, but in the Lord Jesus. And uh, we want to just take a few moments this morning. Thank you. That's all the singing we'll do. God bless you. Each of the musicians that can make it out. And Amen. Amen. I want to take a few moments and just give a little report. You can have your seats on what's happening in India right now and, and uh, some of the situation of some of the uh, what's happening with the pandemic, but before that, I want to talk about some of the good things that's happening with the Lord and what's going on over there as the message is. It's still spreading. There's still revival going on in the world today. And uh, we've got a few really good testimonies that I just want to share on behalf of myself and also Brother Simon, Sister Pramila. Uh, God bless you. I'm sure you're listening in and just want to say the Lord bless you richly and and I know I've spoken with them much. I know if they could be here, they would be here. 
They, they are ones that love to be in the house of the Lord, and, and I know many do. But I want to just read a, a testimony that comes from Brother Simon, and, and then we'll, we'll have a video that we've, has been put together and has some pictures in it of some baptisms and how the Lord has, has moved. And uh, this comes from Brother Simon. He wrote this to me. He said, I want to praise and lift up and exalt my Lord Jesus and testify of him again, that he is our living God, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And all things are possible for him, and he used me and Sister Pramila in India to share the message with a pastor who is having seven churches and altogether about 250 people under his ministry and was believing in the Trinity. But now on April the 3rd of this year, so 2021, April the 3rd, the Saturday before Easter, he and his wife and another sister from the church are baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, now I found them. How I found them is a miracle. He said, I have a Facebook account, but never attached my profile picture or any other picture. But my brother, who is not in the message, has a Facebook account and shared my picture and my family pictures. And one of my childhood friends contacted my brother on Facebook and took my phone number and my brother, from my brother and contacted me by WhatsApp and started chatting with me. And I told him that I have surrendered my life to Jesus and serve, and I'm serving the Lord. Amen. And, and, and this is happening across the world. This is someone in India who got a hold of on Facebook, got a hold of their phone number, contacted them via WhatsApp, and now Brother Simon sharing his testimony with them saying, I've surrendered my life to the Lord. I'm not who I once was. I'm living now for the Lord Jesus. And he says, I also started sharing Bible verses with him. His friend is not a, this friend is not a Christian, but he said he's enjoying the verses and keeps sending them. And a few days later, he said, Simon, I have my cousin, my sister, cousin sister, who is converted to Christianity. And Brother Simon replied, oh, that is nice. He said, I asked my friend if I can talk to her. He gave me her phone number. I asked her what her testimony was and how she was converted. She told me her testimony. And I asked her in which church she goes to and who is her pastor. She gave me detail about her church and her pastor. And I talked to her pastor, whose name is Brother Mohan Singh. And since September of 2020, last year, I started chatting with him and calling and sharing the message by videos and audio and PDF file of messages. He just kept sending this pastor, Brother Mohan, information and, and sending him messages through, through the internet. And, and he started catching the message but was confused by the baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and had another question. At this stage, Brother Simon records, I felt the need for a conversation face-to-face of course, not being able to go over there himself, but rather to have a pastor from India go and speak with him. At which point, Brother Simon, I'll just share how this all unfolds together. It pays to do a little bit of diligence. Brother Simon then contacted me. I contacted my dad looking for a contact information. Who would be best to send there? My, my dad, Brother Tim, said, get Brother uh, Roshan Massey, who you've probably heard of before, and uh, and. So then I gave his number to Brother, Brother Simon. Brother Simon gave it to Brother Mohan and also gave Brother, Mo, Brother 
Roshan, Brother Mohan's number, so he got them in contact with one another. Immediately, he was able to go out, and Brother Mohan visited with Brother Roshan, and, and he was totally convinced then of the baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Roshan is also very busy with Brother Mohan sharing the message and giving answers to all of the questions that Brother Mohan would have. And at last, Brother Roshan baptized Brother Mohan, his wife, and the sister of my friend in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We both want to thank the Lord for your prayers and say, God bless you. So now just to add to that, Brother, just to add to it and recap, Brother Mohan is the pastor who has a few churches under him, about 250 people. So him and his wife and, and the sister of Brother Simon's friend have all been baptized. And they're from the city of, of, of Solan, which is in the, forgive me, Brother Simon, if I mispronounce some of these names, but, but it's in the Hamashal region, Hamachal or Hamashal region, which happens to be on, on the northwesterly part of India, which directly borders the Punjab region, which is where Brother Roshan is from. And not only that, but this, this region, the Hamashal region, is about 95% Hindu, a little over 95%, and only 0.18% Christianity, which would include every bit of denomination, every bit of anything in there would be considered Christianity. So you can imagine how many message believers there are in that part of the country. These are likely the only ones. But now since that time, that, as I said, they were baptized on April the 3rd, the Sunday before Easter. Since then, there's a brother, Tarsum, his wife and son in a nearby place where they were baptized just 11 days later. And now he was, he was formerly a Pentecostal. Then Brother Roshan, who you'll see in the video I'm going to play for you speaking, he went on a 10-day mission trip down into Warangal, which is in the central, kind of eastern part of India. And then he came back up returning and uh, baptized 10 more people on May the 8th. And now, not only does he baptize them, but as, as I was listening and noticing that he baptizes the pastor and teaches him how to baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then that pastor would help baptize his wife and his children and their, their church members. But I want at this time, if we could, Brother Danny, does that video work? Punjab. And I greet you all in the name of Jesus. From Punjab. That's Brother Roshan. And I greet you all in the name of Jesus Christ. And I count it a great privilege to share this testimony with you about our brother Mohan Singh, who recently got baptized with his wife and another sister from his church. And uh, Brother Simon and Sister Pramila, they somehow came into his contact because Brother Simon is from the same town, formerly uh, from Solan. And they were sharing the message with him. And uh, then Brother Mohan Singh was convinced. And uh, then they inspired to contact me, Brother Simon and Pramla, and they brought uh, Brother Mohan Singh into my contact and asked me to please share the message with him. 
so i started to share the things with him different thing, things like uh, god had and uh, water baptism and denominationalism how this is antichrist movement and all denominations are from satan and the lord opened his eyes to this great truth of the hour and then he took stand and came to my place and got baptized and we are very happy for that and now he wanted us to come and visit him and share the message uh, with his people there are some more 10 plus people ready for the baptism and now brother mohan singh wanted to have a pastor seminar because there are corona restrictions so he is planning to gather 15 pastors and their wives 15 plus 15 30 people and uh, wanted to have two days pastor seminar and he told me that he is unable to explain the things from the message so wanted me to come over and uh, uh, go there and share uh, the things so we are very happy and excited that uh, the lord has uh, made a way and uh, open this door and uh, next month his uh, daughter is going to get married 14th after that we are going to have this meeting and uh, i would like you to pray for us we thank you for your love your support and your prayers and uh, i would like to tell you little about this uh, state himachal pradesh all people are idol worshipper gospel has not been preached there even by the denominations they are very rare christianity but we are excited the lord is uh, opening door for us to go there and get this message into the hands of the people so we thank you for our uh, brother mohan singh who also has a burden to share and uh, uh, spread this message in that uh, area in those different places and we also thank you uh, thank the lord for our precious brother simon and sister promila their burden to get this message into their native place so please uh, keep us in your prayer and uh, we want to go there very shortly god bless you God good. Amen. 
that God can take just one simple, I'll say it this way, one photo shared on Facebook that didn't even mean to be shared, and now their soul's being saved. And praise the Lord that somebody responded to the call. Amen, amen. And I just want to make mention of, of a dire need also in India of what's happening right now uh, with the COVID pandemic that is happening over there. I'll just say their medical system is very overwhelmed and in many places completely unable to help. Um, it's, it's a serious need over there. One pastor that I know of personally that has passed away from the COVID infection um, and more are sick with it and are desperately in need of our prayers as the body of Christ to hold them up. They don't have a medical system to go running to like we do. They're overrun. I've, I, I was sent a couple videos. I considered playing one of them, but I, I just couldn't. It was heart-wrenching for me. And uh, let's bear them up in our prayers. If you need something to pray for, and I think there's a lot to pray for today, but remember our brothers and sisters over in India who are struggling. The, the population is so dense, it spreads like wildfire. wildfire. And the uh, Bible does say in James chapter 5, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that ye may be healed. The fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Let's just stand to our feet, each one here and those that are streaming in. As we bow our heads together, maybe we'll just open the service this way. And if you have a need on your heart, you want to say, remember me this morning. Make your home an altar and say, Lord, I want you to welcome you here into my home. Welcome into this sanctuary. Father, we just come humbly into your presence, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for all the wonderful things that you're doing, knowing that one soul is worth 10,000 worlds. Even in a country, Lord, that they don't have the medical system, they don't have all of the, uh, the things that we have, the comforts of life that we have in North America. But Father, it just as real, Lord, and even more so, just to get a soul on fire for God. Lord, I pray you'd be with Brother Mohan, Lord, as he's been converted, as he's already preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And He's gone forth, Lord, just to minister this gospel and has taken it completely into his heart. Lord, would you give him a fire and protect him, Lord? Be with Brother Roshan, Lord. I pray you'd watch over him. Remember the saints that are there that are suffering, Lord. As they're having a hard time, Lord, as this different strains of sickness, Lord. But what it is, is just a devil. And Lord, there's nothing that's ever been too great for you. Father, I pray that you would just come on the scene with them as we gather ourselves together. You said the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much, Lord. You said that if one could chase a thousand, two ten thousand, Lord. Father, we want to gather together, not just right now, but as we go into our prayer closets today, tonight, Lord, to remember our brothers, our sisters. They're your sons and your daughters, Lord, that are suffering in this way. Father, would you come on the scene for them? You're the same you were yesterday. You're still the same God today. You're still able to heal, Lord, from all sicknesses, from all diseases, Lord Jesus. Lord, we have ones in our midst this morning who have a need to touch you, Lord. 
Father, that we need, Lord, to hear from your throne of grace this morning. Lord, I pray you'd help me just to get myself aside now as you would come and speak, Lord. I pray you'd take the words that are spoken, Lord, and may they find the good soil of each heart, Lord. Father, we commit it into your hands, Lord. We just want to remember, Lord, I'm just thinking, Lord, of Brother Ron Spencer's sister-in-law and brother-in-law. Heard of them yesterday, Lord, how she fell from a ladder and broke and fractured vertebrae in her back, Lord, and her husband having had a heart attack recently and a couple stints put in. Lord, you know what's happening even in Brother Ron Spencer's life, Lord. And Father, we ask that you just come in your sovereign grace and undertake for them again, Lord. Would you have mercy upon them, Lord? May you be the comforter, Lord, in that home, Lord Jesus. Father, they're not able to perhaps take care of each other, and, but Lord, may you be there. May you take the pain, Lord. Take the burden on their heart, Lord Jesus. Undertake for their, their need, Lord Jesus. We commit them into your hands. Father, we just love you. We know you're a present help in a time of trouble. and You never fail, Lord. We commit all these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles together. Turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 64. Consider it a, a grand privilege to preach unto you that are here, those that are listening in. It's, it's, a, it's a time like none other. As many have said, we haven't walked this way before, but this is the greatest age. If you could live in any age, I would have wanted to live right now. You say, but I can't come to church. I can't be in the house of God. Yeah, but we're that close to the end. We're just that close from stepping across the curtain of time and all our troubles and sorrows will soon be over and this life won't even be remembered anymore, the sorrows that'll be here. And what, a, what a wonderful time to live. And it's a great honor to stand here even on a Sunday morning, a resurrection morning and preach and say God bless you. Certainly love each one of you with all of my heart and I, I'm happy to be a part of the body of Christ here in Edmonton and part of the body around the world. Amen. In Isaiah chapter 64, verse 4, it says, For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, nor received, nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. Thou meetest him with rejoicing and worketh righteousness, those that remember thee in thy ways. What a promise. But it says, But behold, thou art wroth, for we have sinned. In those is continuance, and we shall be saved. For we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, 
and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And there is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee, for thou hast hid thy face from us and hath consumed us because of our iniquities. Amen. May the Lord add his blessing to the word. You may have your seats. I want to just, if you just keep your Bibles open there, I'll read a couple more verses because it doesn't end there. Just that the wrath of God and how he's consumed and because of the iniquities of the people. And, but there's a promise that we read in the first verse. It hasn't entered into the eyes. We read it in Corinthians as well where it would talk about how it hasn't even entered into the hearts of men. It hasn't even come into our minds. We are unable to perceive exactly what God has in store for us. This isn't just something that was since the fall. It says since the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, he began to speak. And by faith, we know the worlds were formed. And as God began to speak out, he had a a picture and a plan in his mind of exactly what it would be. And there was more attributes in him at that time and from eternity than just Adam and Eve. Those were just the first ones to be manifested on the earth. So to God, there was a greater picture than just a garden of Eden, just a perfect paradise where he created man in his own image and he blew him and he formed his body from the dust of the earth and he breathed in him the breath of life and he was the first living soul as he was there and he created bodies for all the animals and he brought them to Adam to name and he went and he took from Adam's side and he took Eve, but that wasn't the complete picture that God was looking for. It was something greater than that because it had not at this time even entered into the heart of a man. Exactly neither could they perceive from the beginning what God had in store. That it wasn't just to be a man and a woman, but rather that there would be children, that there would be a family, that that God's attributes would begin to be manifested in such a way that he would have fellowship with a many-membered body and with a bride. And it was more than that, that he could come and that they, they, they by, by their own choosing, would fall. So that God could, re- could reveal himself as a savior. So that God could reveal himself as a redeemer. So that God could express his love down to mankind. So that God could express who he was all the way from the beginning. So that it would, because if I just tell you, if someone just completely says over and over, I love you, I love you, I love you, eventually it starts to lose its meaning. If you never do anything about it. But because there's something that backs up that love, it makes that love mean something more. It makes it mean more to the individual than just a word. And we know that God could not lie, so therefore God's word is good enough. But God wasn't just satisfied with good enough. God wanted to express himself down into a people to express his love to the individual of exactly how much. He loved exactly how much his grace was capable of pulling someone from the darkest reaches of sin and of iniquity. 
Not just that it was of sin, not just that there was somebody that was a sinner and had done wrong and they had the blackness of their heart and that was just their nature, but rather someone that was lost in iniquity. Someone that knew better and went and did it anyways. Someone that knew they should do something and wouldn't do it. That kind of an iniquity that God wanted to express his love and express himself down to the individual to give them a greater sense of exactly who God is. Exactly what his love is. And we know that God could not forget a promise. And it says if we kept your Bibles open in chapter 64... Says we read it in verse 7 where it says that because of our iniquities, and has consumed us because of our iniquities. But verse 8 says, But now, O God, O Lord, thou art the, our Father, we are the clay, thou art the potter, we are all the works of your hands. Be not wroth for very sore, O Lord. Neither remember iniquity forever. Behold, see, we beseech thee, we are all thy people. Amen. So it comes back to it where we recognize that God, we are all expressions of the love of God. That as he would begin to mold us, that he's the potter, we're the clay. And the clay is an expression of the, the, the mind of the potter. It doesn't come out by half and chance. A potter doesn't put the clay on the spinning wheel and start the spinning. And in his mind, he has this great vessel of a pot. And it comes out just this little deformed bowl and says that's good enough. The potter won't stop until he gets what he wanted out of it. If he has to, he'll take it and he'll crumple it back down and start again. But he's not going to just throw it away and say the clay's no good. No, the clay's good. The clay's there for a purpose. The clay is a malleable, moldable item in which the potter can take and put it through many things and allow it to go through many things in order to bring out the right image that it already had. And it's not just that he's dealing with clay, but he's dealing with gold. That's a large jump. But I think we understand it. Because Brother Branham would talk about, he says, that, 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 that there's, there's the bride of Christ would be as refined gold, that she would have a character which was gold tried in the fire, and gold is a type of metal that can handle the, 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 the molding and the beating that it requires to be molded to the right image. And he would say brass does not take that. If you look, it's in the Ephesian church age, Brother Brown would talk about it, he'd say brass doesn't handle it. If you take brass and you try and beat it and mold it, it just breaks. And I can tell you as, as a plumber, that's very, very true. I use brass fittings all the time. If you start to tighten them too tight, they just crack. If, especially if it's cold. Cold brass is much worse. It just starts to crack and it's just it's very brittle. You have to be careful with it. But that we aren't tight to brass. The bride of Christ is to have character like gold. It's something that's malleable. It's something that can take the beating. It's something that can take it no matter how hard it gets in the last days. She can take it. There's those that have come and they can shine beautifully and they look so nice. But when it gets cold and when the Lord begins to try and mold it, it just breaks because it wasn't gold. It might have looked nice, but if it wasn't real, pure gold. If it wasn't according to the word of God, because only the word of God can produce that. 
But he's the potter. It's after his fashion. And I want to take it and say now that God never forgets a promise. In the message from that time, 1962, he said, I've seen my pe- the affliction of my people speaking of in, in, down in Egypt when they were under slavery. And he talked to Moses and said, I've seen the affliction of my people. I've heard the groanings, the reasons of the taskmaster. I've come down. I remember my promise. Hallelujah. He can't make a promise unless he remembers it. He always, God eternally remembers his promise. God makes a promise, and God always remembers his promise. I realize I haven't told you my title yet, but I'm I'm in part three of The Mind of an Overcomer. And I want to take a subtitle of A Memory Worth the Reasoning. And trying to transition this morning from a memory into reasoning. There are two different faculties of the mind that work together and really are convoluted into one, one another. But now, it says that God makes a promise and God always remembers his promise. He can't forget a promise. As we read in the beginning, no matter the iniquity, no matter the things, it says that in the, from the beginning, since the beginning, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth on him. That's a promise. That's something that God says, there is coming something. And, it, and that you meet them that rejoices and worketh righteousness. They have an appointment with God and those that remember thee in thy ways. There's something about it just waiting on the Lord and being patient and being humble enough to wait for the hand of the potter. The clay doesn't mold itself. The gold doesn't change its own form. It takes a masterful hand. It takes somebody who knows what they're doing. It takes God to begin to work in the life of an individual in order for it to bring out an image that God had from before the foundation of the world. But he never forgets these promises. And he says in the the seventh seal, Brother Branham says, now he says, the the ever-remembering God. My The ever-remembering God remembers every promise of his word. He never forgets it. He doesn't forget that Romans chapter 9 and verse 11 says, For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. He doesn't forget that no matter how long you might be under the sound of my voice this morning, wondering how long will it go on. How long will God allow these sins and God allow the, 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 the degradation of the world and the decay of moralities that we finally come to a place where it seems like hell on earth couldn't be more real? Are you with me? How long could God allow this to go on? But he hasn't forgotten that he will cut it short. In other words, there's coming something that you don't even want to think about because God will cut it short for your sake. Hallelujah. Because he promises and he, and he writes it and he, re, and he preaches it in the message, uh, Christ is the mystery of God revealed, where he says the bride of Christ will not be closed down. She will not be shut down. She will go up. Amen. Amen. She won't be shut down. Her church doors won't be closed permanently. Why? She'll go up. You can't stop the bride of Christ. When the pressure begins to squeeze, you ever, you ever have one of those things, forgive me for making it so simple, but... You ever play one of those little gooey toys that kids like where you squish it and it pops out somewhere else? 
Remember those? That's like the bride. When the devil thinks he's got his hand around and he squishes it, it just goes up. This is as simple as I can make it. Right when you think I've got it all in control and the devil thinks I've finally got them, I can crush them, and he squeezes and poof, the bride's gone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He won't forget his promises. He cannot. He says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. One day is with the Lord as a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some man counts slackness. In other words, what? there is people that think the Lord is slack. There is people that think that, that there's no way the end of time has come because if I made a promise, it better happen like that. There is people that think that if God ever said that the shout of the voice of the trumpet that we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together, it better happen like that. Are you with me? There's people that think that. There's people that consider it's gone on this long. How can it really be true? There's people that have left the message that feel like it's gone on too long and there's been too much to disprove. The iniquities of the people. Those are real thoughts and real opinions, but they don't matter. Because there's one that matters because the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some mount count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word. Not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. God is a merciful God. And while there's mercy on the mercy seat, let's do all we can. Amen. Let's live for him. Let's wait on him. Let's be sure that we're found diligently waiting on the Lord. Watching and praying. Sighing and crying. Brother Branham says in the seventh seal also, he says, just as sure as he remembers every good promise, he remembers every evil too. My. Just as sure. Exodus 22 and 20 records this. It says, he that sacrifices unto any God, save unto the Lord only, he shall be utterly destroyed. Just as sure as he remembers all the good promises, he remembers Exodus 22. He remembers what it is to have sin. He remembers what it is to live in iniquity. He remembers what it is when someone refuses to repent. He remembers what it is when someone takes the name of the Lord in vain. He knows exactly what lukewarmness tastes like. And he spits it out every time. We're going to get into that a little bit more this morning. If the Lord will give us grace. But he remembers the good and he also remembers the bad. As much as he remembers that he will be utterly destroyed, he also remembers in Revelation 3 that he that overcometh shall be clothed with right raiment, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess him before my fathers and his angels. Brother Branham says in the message, God hiding himself in simplicity, he says the only thing the omniscient, omniscient God is capable, sorry, this is my statement, the only thing of the omniscient, the omniscient God is capable of forgetting is the repented negatives. The only thing that God is capable of repenting is, or of forgetting is what we repent of, is what we cover by the blood of Jesus Christ. Everything else, he is the ever-remembering God. He doesn't forget the iniquity of the Amorites. He didn't forget it. 
He knew what they did to them as they were coming out of, the, out of Egypt and they were going up. He knew the, the things that they did to his children. He knew how they attacked the elderly and they attacked the women. They had tried to be, be vultures in the back. But he knew what they did. He said, I will utterly wipe them out. And years later under Saul, you with me? He said, go and destroy them. Kill everything. He didn't forget anything. And we know it was men that God themselves lifted up and said, well, I kept the king alive and I kept these ones alive. And out of that came an Agagite named Haman. But God didn't forget. God still didn't forget because even though Satan thought he'd circumvented the judgment of God and brought up this Haman and brought him up to the position in the courts of, of Ahasuerus, the king of the Medes and Persians, and he brought him up there and he got them to sign a decree to destroy the Jews. He thought he could have his revenge, but God didn't forget because God was already working in a, in a Mordecai and in an Esther. Oh, Hallelujah. You see exactly what I'm saying? The devil tries to get today where he gets to the point where he thinks he can finally get the bride and squeeze her to a place where she has to re re recant, where she has to leave Christ. But all that's happening is God has already been working. God has already been creating uh, people that are ready for a rapture. Oh, my and Brother Adam says, this is God hiding himself in simplicity. He says, now, I've got a tub of Clorox setting here. He says, and if I drop a drop of ink into that bucket of Clorox, we all know this, don't we? What happens? Now find your color, he says. What happened to it? The first thing it did, it hit the water, it hit the Clorox. That chemical was so great till it sent it all the way back. You can't even see any fumes of it or nothing else. It's gone. It'll never be no more because it's turned back to the original place of where it come from. Hallelujah. He says that's exactly what the blood of Christ does to sin. The blood of Jesus Christ. Confess your sin upon the blood of Jesus Christ. It omits. It puts in the sea of forgetfulness to be remembered no more against you at all. Praise be to God. Say, God is the ever-remembering God. But there's a, there's a substance, a bleach called the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. That when that is applied, it goes right back. And God says, I don't even see it anymore. Oh, my. Because you claim the blood for your sins. He only remembers the forgiveness. God only remembers. Why? Because he took the book. We know where Brother Branham tucked him behind the door after feeling in, in his own self condemning the, the, the people he's seen in this little diner. And he tucked him behind the door. God got him aside and gave him a little vision of the blood of Jesus Christ like a bumper. Right? And there he was looking at this. And he seen his sin come up. And it hurt him. And he began to bleed. And, but as he, as he repented of it, right, Jesus dipped his hand in his side and wrote, Pardoned. That's all that God remembers is the pardon because he took the book with the sin and threw it behind him in the sea of his forgetfulness. It was no more remembered what was recorded under that blood. All that mattered was the blood. With me, I'm getting this to this somewhere. Because all that God remembers, because we're dealing with the memory that's worth the reasoning, that all that God remembers is the forgiveness. 
Because you claim those bruises, as it says, he was bruised for our iniquity in Isaiah 63, that he was bruised for our iniquity and the chastiser of peace was upon him. He doesn't remember the iniquity anymore. He doesn't know what you're talking about when you bring it back up to him. Say, but I did this. God says, what are you talking about? You've already applied the blood. It's not even in the book. And he begins to take this book and he begins to flip back through the pages again and say, they're all blank. There isn't anything else written in there. What are you talking about? Oh, you're tired. No, I don't know because the book was cast behind him, dissolved in the sea of his forgetfulness, never to be remembered again, never to be held against you ever again. Because you claim those stripes for your healing, by his stripes were healed. God no longer remembers the sickness. Are you with me? Oh, God doesn't remember the sickness, he only remembers the healing. We're going to take that to the scripture right away. God only remembers the healing. He doesn't remember the depression and the anxiety because he was chastised so you could have peace. God doesn't look at it and say, oh yeah, I remember when you, you poor child, you went through those things and those things were terrible. But God doesn't look at that. He says, what I did is I was chastised so you could have peace. I went through that so you don't have to. Oh, once you claim the fullness of the atonement of that lamb, he only remembers the atonement. That's as far as his memory goes is to the blood of Jesus Christ. When the things are confessed under the blood, it's only peace. Former things don't even come to that eternal memory. All things are made new. Abraham says in the message communion 1965, he says, then I was born again. That little life was lying there. The life, that little seed was lying there and the water of the word poured upon it. It began to grow. Now that old life was forgiven. Put in the sea of God's forgetfulness to never be remembered against me no more. Now there's a generality. It's not just this little specific thing that I could think of. The old life. Say, but this one particular thing, I didn't bring that to God. The old life. If you've come and you've been born again, that old life is no longer remembered anymore. The entirety of it is no longer remembered anymore under God. He looks back to when you became his manifested attribute and said, this is who I know. This is the person that I'm looking at. This is the person I'm dealing with. I'm not dealing with that old Andrew Dodd. I'm dealing with a new individual. God cannot forget his attributes. He can't forget his promised word and he can't forget his attributes. Because his promised word is his attributes, is his thoughts expressed. So is his attributes. His sons and daughters are decreed in their season. And he cannot forget his thoughts expressed. He never forgets a word. Isn't that amazing? We as humans forget them all the time. We say something and a year later, we're, I don't remember saying that. Are you sure I said that? Yeah, okay. God doesn't forget. He's the ever-remembering God. If he ever made you a promise, 
That's why Brother Branham could take that and God just dropped in his heart. He didn't have a vision about it. God just dropped in his heart and said, you're going to have a son named Joseph. And he just took that and he just started telling people, I'm going to have a son. He's going to name him Joseph. The doctor said, no, you can't have another child. Your wife's uterus is as thin as a balloon. She'll blow up and whatever he thought, but I don't know. But anyways, that's what he thought. But he looked at the promise. He said, no, I'm going to have a son. So she got pregnant, and we know how the story goes because it's been recited to us. We've read it so many times how we had a daughter. And the doctor said, definitely now you can't have another child. He said, no, I'm going to have a Joseph. Never saw a vision. God just dropped it in his heart. And he just believed it that he would have a son and his name would be Joseph. Are you with me? That's as simple as it was. Because we always want to look at it. We'll say, well, Brother Bradham, he saw visions. He saw visions. No, God just dropped in his heart and he took God at his word. He had visions for other things, but not in this particular case. And it went against everything the doctor had to say. And finally, she got pregnant again. And my goodness, they had people prophesying, saying she's going to die and the child's going to die. And that person died. (laughs) Don't speak against God. He's the ever-remembering God. He knows what he spoke to his son. And he's going to back that one up. You with me? I just read about it in, in, say, in 1 Kings chapter 12 where, where there was a prophet that came, a man of God. He came to Jeroboam after Jeroboam had, had put two calves and he put one in Bethel at Ephraim and he put one in, in Dan and he, and he put these calves there to worship and he had a feast and the man of God came and he cursed the altar and the altar broke and the ashes poured out and Jeroboam's hand was withered. Mighty signs of God. And he cried and cried to God, and God restored Jeroboam's hand right there. And he said, come and eat with me. And he said, no, the Lord commanded me not to eat, but to leave. And he left, and this older prophet came by the way and said, oh, God told me to have you come in and eat with me. And he did, and God slew the man. Why? Because God doesn't forget. He's the ever-remembering God. He never forgets his word. If he ever made you a promise, he's obligated to that word. Oh, hallelujah. You just better make sure it's God. Isaiah 49, verse 15 says, Can a woman forget her suckling child, that she may not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget. And we're seeing that more and more today. The insanity of the world. Yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. And the wall, thy walls are continually before me. Oh my. That God will never forget you. His predestinated, his attributes, he's engraving them on the palms of their hands. And he says, and show us the Father, 63, Brother Branham says, and I go on record and say this about the word of God being a seed. If you can take the right mental attitude towards any divine promise of God, it will bring it to pass. If you could keep yourself in position to believe that that promise was to you. See, now we're putting some simple conditions on it. He says, listen, you can't just say, God, God promised it, so I'll just do anything I want and it'll happen. No. He says, you've got to have the right mental attitude. You've got to make sure you line your thinking up to the promise of God that was in you. 
That's why Brother Branham had the right mental attitude when they came and had the promise of a, of a son by the name of Joseph. It didn't matter what the doctor said to him. He considered not the deadness of the womb. He considered not what, what the doctor was saying. He considered the word of God greater than all of those things. And that was the right mental attitude. It's the same way for your healing, no matter whether it's mental, no matter whether it's physical sickness. If you could keep the right mental attitude and stay in your position as a son or daughter of God, he will bring it to pass. That's the trouble of why denominations today have taken and they've decided that so much of the word is not inspired. Because they refuse to stay in their position. Their position was to be with their first love, and they left the word of God. They left the way they ought to act. They left the way they ought to do. They wanted all the blessings. They wanted the healings, but they also wanted the bobbed hair. They wanted the pants. They wanted the shorts. They wanted the, you with me? They wanted all these things. They wanted the gambling. They wanted the drinking. They wanted the cheating. They wanted all of those other sinful things. But they also wanted, by his stripes I'm healed. They also wanted Mark 16. But when they realized they couldn't have both, they decided to say that wasn't inspired. Because God's not keeping his promises. But God always keeps his promises. But he always remembers the good promises and he remembers the other promises. He remembers that uh, he will heal you, but he also remembers you got to stay in your position. He remembers that he will, he will come and be me with those who seek after righteousness. He remembers that those who hunger and thirst will be filled, but it requires a hunger and a thirst. See, divine healing is a process. A miracle is a miracle. Divine healing is a process. Divine healing is the, is the fact that you are healed through divine power. That is God that does the healing. That is God that heals your body. That is God that heals your spirit. It's God that heals your soul. It's God that heals. It's God that gives. But rather, it's a, it's a process. It's something that happens over a lapse of time. And Brother Bannon would talk about how that when you get prayed for, oftentimes you'll immediately get sicker. But he says, that's a good sign. Because when something dies, it starts to swell up. It, starts to, it gets upset. It starts to swell. But that's just something that now it starts to, has to flush out of your body. That's divine healing. A miracle is something that you'd see where you'd have a sister that then all of a sudden she'd have a tumor and she'd raise them, praise the Lord, and all of a sudden the tumor's not there. That's a miracle. But now divine healing would be the same tumor, but rather she would take and claim her healing day after day after day after day, and God would begin to, it would may perhaps swell up bigger and bigger, and she wouldn't consider that tumor, but rather she would consider the word of God and keep the right mental attitude, and even though it's swelling bigger and bigger, she's looking to God, and then all of a sudden the things begins to shrink. That's divine healing. The problem of it is we're always looking for the miracle. But faith is to stay and hold on to the word of God. Because Brother Brown would talk about creation. By faith we know the world's reforming, and that God would speak. And he says it might have been millions and trillions of years. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. We don't know how long that took. 
It might have happened over an extreme course of time that finally there began to be something that began to come and it began to whirl around and there become the, the Logos come out from God and it began to speak and all of these things. And now there's all of a sudden there's an earth and there's a star and there's a sun and it just slowly began to take place and start out something small and it would move into the right position and then life would begin to form. But we want in our own human minds, right? We want the promise of God. Boom! We like that. You look, if you ever look into military things, they want a faster rate of fire. Well, boy, how much lead you can put in the general direction. <laughs> how much firepower you have. Get the bigger boom. Get the bigger bang. How much you got this. Why? But God says, no, that's not what it's about. It's not about how fast everything can unravel and unfold. It's about stay true. Stay faithful. Stay steadfast. You just hold to the promise of God. You call everything contrary to the word of God a lying vanity. It will happen. Your experience, your healing, your life, your confession must be based on the word of God to stand. You can have experiences that don't line up with the word, but they won't stand the test of time. Listen to this, Deuteronomy chapter 30. Verse 14. Verse 11, sorry, brother. I jumped ahead there. For this commandment, which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. God is beginning to encourage the people and say, I've commanded commandments, and it seems like it's an impossible thing, but he's saying, it's not far off. I haven't hid anything from you. It's not in heaven that thou shouldest say, who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? Oh, my. Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, who shall go over the sea for us and bring it to us that ye may hear it and do it? How many people today get that kind of an attitude? This is just too hard for me. I just have to trim a little bit of my hair. God understands. It's just too hard for me. It gets too hot to wear a nice long skirt. Brothers, it's too hard to wear pants in the summertime. Oh, it's just too difficult to come to church every time. We should just cancel that service because it's just too difficult. It seems hard. Well, Brother Ed gave me the Sunday morning service, so here we are. <laughs> we want to get that attitude. That's our humanity. And we get that kind of an attitude sometimes in the world that's rampant where anything is just too difficult because they become so lazy in such an age of people rights where now it's become, it's my right to do whatever I want. And who cares because it's too difficult? God is too way far off and another, he's in heaven. How could these things ever come to pass? Look, I did something and God never struck me down with a lightning bolt. Therefore, what's the big deal? Andrew, you're preaching to the bride. Why, why are we going down this road? For a purpose. He says in verse 14, though, but the word is very nigh unto thee. In thy mouth, in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. I didn't, I didn't make a word that is so far off that there's no way you could accomplish it, but rather I made a way so you could accomplish it. I put it in your heart. 
In Isaiah 55, in verse 11, it says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Amen. God always accomplishes his promises. In Isaiah 59, just a couple chapters later, in verse 19, we're very familiar with this one. It says this, And so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord, my spirit that is upon thee. And my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth. Nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and forever. Oh my, so where's the word of God? He says, I haven't made him put it someplace far off and unattainable. I put it right in your mouth so that you could speak the word of God. And in Psalms chapter 119 and verse 41, it says, let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word, so shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproaches me, for I trust in thy word, and take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. Oh my. So now it comes to something else. It says, for I have hoped in thy judgments. Where he says, listen, not only have I put thy word in thy mouth, but I have the ability to remove it. Amen. And not only have I put it there, God is an ever-remembering God. Who did God take his word out of their mouth? We know now, if you jump down to Revelation chapter 3 and verse 15, it says, I know thy works, thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Oh my. The way that's written almost seems like we are in the mouth of God. But we know if, you, if you've read the Church Age book and you look down into the uh, Laodicean Church Age, Brother Branham would talk about this where he says this. He says, they very unwisely say that God can spew you out of his mouth. And that proves that there's no such thing, no such thing as any truth of the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. He says, I want to correct your thinking on this now. This verse is not given to the individual. It's given to the church. Oh my, he's talking to the church. So not only now is it that, the, that he's put the, the word in the mouth of the church, but rather he has the ability to take it back out again. Furthermore, if you will just keep the word in mind, you will recall that nowhere does it say we're kept in the mouth of God. It says we're engraved on his palms. We're carried in his bosom. Way back in the unknown ages before time, we were in his mind. We are in his sheepfold, we're in his pastures, but never in his mouth. But what is in the mouth of the Lord? In his mouth is the word. The word is in his mouth, Matthew 4, 4. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And the word is supposed to be in our mouths too. I'm still in the church age book here. He says, now we know that the church is his body. 
It is here taking his place. What will be in the mouth of the church? The word. 1 Peter 4.11 says, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles, the word of God. 2 Peter 1 verse 21 says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but a holy man of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Then what is wrong with the people of this last day? They've gotten away from the word. They're no longer fervent about it. They're lukewarm about it. And I'm going to prove that right now, he says. So listen, what's the trouble with the church in the Laodicean age? He says, listen, the church. This is to the church where he says, you've gotten so you're no longer fervent with the word of God. Are we still fervent with the word of God? I believe we are. But he says, it's come to that place that the Baptists have their creeds and dogmas based on the word that you can't shake them. And they say the apostolic days of miracles are over and there's no baptism of the Holy Ghost. Subsequently, to believing, the Methodists say, based on the word, that there is no water baptism, sprinkling is not baptism, and that sanctification is the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and that the Church of Christ majors on regenerational baptism, and in all too many cases, they go down dry sinners and come up wet ones. Oh, man. Lord, help us. We never come to that if we haven't already. Where we push people, children, into water baptism. So you got to make confession. you got to make a confession that they do it based on a push that they forget that we're just putting them down dry sinners and bringing them up wet sinners. Lord, help us that we bring them to Christ. So that way they meet Christ on the backside of the desert on the sacred sands of Revelation so that they would know him. So that he would put his word in their heart and in their mouth so that water baptism would be nothing more than an ordinance. Because that's all it is. It doesn't save a child. I have to say this way, I have to say this so you understand. Water baptism doesn't save a person. It's God who saves. It's the grace of God that baptizes the hearts of man with the fire of God. It says, yet they claim their doctrine is word-based. Go right down the line, come to the Pentecostals. Do they have the word? Let's give them the word test and see. They will sell out the word for a sensation just about every time. Oh, Lord, don't ever let us get to that either. See why? Sometimes we've got to go back in these things and realize that denominational spirits can creep right into the message and, and so condition our minds until we get to feeling that because I had a sensation I'm born again, because God came down and I spoke in some tongue or I did some mighty thing or I felt a warm buzz in my heart. No, but I want God. I want to be able to stand the test of time. I want to know that his spirit has changed me and I'm not the man that I once was. I don't perform the sins that I once did, but rather the members that were once members of unrighteousness are now members of righteousness. He says that they'll sell it out every time. If you could produce a manifestation like oil, blood, tongues, or other signs, whether it's the word of God or not, or whether properly interpreted from the word, the majority will fall for it. But what has happened to the word? The word has been put aside. 
So God says, so I'm going to against you. Oh, I will spew you out of my mouth. This is the end for the seven out of seven ages. I have seen nothing but man esteeming their own word above mine. Oh, my. I say, Lord, keep me humble that I would never take the word of Andrew Dodd above the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. That I would never say because I said so. But rather it's what the word of God says. It's what the Bible says. It's what the message of the hour says. And let my word fall to the ground. He says, but I see nothing but man esteeming their own word above mine. So at the end of this age, he says, I'm spewing you out of my mouth. It's all over. I'm going to speak all right. Yes, I'm here in the midst of the church. The amen of God, faithful and true, will reveal himself. And it will be by my prophet. It's exactly how God has revealed himself in this age. Only by his prophet. He's revealed himself. That's why as a minister of the gospel, it's say what's already on the tapes. Don't get outside of that, but say what's already on the tapes. Say what the prophet already said. It's not just play a tape because we need men of God. We need a five-fold ministry to take what's on those tapes and to preach it in power and in demonstration. And to preach it with a conviction behind it. And to preach it in a way that the people could receive. And to put the word of God together because we could take all the way from 47 and we could bear it together with 65 and see it runs right through from beginning to end. Let me just continue on. It says they're miserable about the Laodicean church age. It says they're miserable. That means that they have become objects to be pitied. Pitied. The people today, they scorn pity. They're full of pride. They vaunt what they have. Not want, they vaunt it. But, but what, are, what they have will not stand the test of time. Oh my. It says, they have built upon quicksand rather than on the rock of the revelation of God's word. Soon cometh the earthquake. Soon there will come the storms of the wrath of, God's, of the God and judgment. It says, there comes sudden destruction and in spite of their carnal preparation, they will still be unprepared for what comes upon the earth. There are those who, in spite of all their worldly efforts, are actually opposing themselves and don't know it. What an age to be living in. People that think in their own carnal mind that they're building themselves a kingdom, that they think they can stand the test of time, and even religious people that will take even around the the, the fringes of the message and will call themselves message believers and use the name of Jesus Christ and try and build themselves up, but without the new birth. Without the God, the life, the Zoe life of God in you, you will not stand the test of time. He says they're objects of pity indeed. Pity the poor people who in this last day ecumenical move, for they call it the move of God when it is of Satan. Pity those who do not know to curse the curse of organization. Oh, pity those who do not know the curse of organization. Pity those who have so many beautiful churches, such lovely parsonages, such grandly trained choirs, such a show of wealth and such a sedate and irreverent form of worship. Oh, my. Pity them. 
Don't envy them. Back to the old store buildings, he says. Back to the dimly lit rooms. Back to the cellars. Back to less of the world and more of God. Pity those who are making their great claims and talk about their gifts. Feel for them who are as objects of pity for soon they will be objects of wrath. Oh my, I don't have very much. I'm so thankful to the Lord that we've stood here for years under the pastorship of Brother Harold, under under the pastorship of Brother Ed, and we've been here in such a time where we've stood on the word of God. It hasn't been about, people have not come to this church. I don't think anyone's ever come to me and said, Brother Andrew, I come to this church because the music's amazing. Even though it's great. I can appreciate all of our musicians and they do a great job. But I don't know anyone that's ever come to me. But I know people that have come to me and said, but I like that I'm getting fed by the word. I thank the Lord for that. That's why you ought to come to church. I'm so thankful for all the musicians. We got young people that are raising up. We got song leaders that I think are better than any other in the world. We got worship leaders that are able to worship and they're able to come and be able to create an atmosphere. We thank God for brothers like Brother Marion, Brother Michael, Brother Ray, Brother, brother, uh, brother Danny, and, and thank God for these brothers, the young ones, Brother John and Brother Jeffrey, and the ones that are raising up, and even the young people's Brother Tony and Brother Sam, and the different ones that would sing and that would worship. We thank God for the pianist. We thank God for the organs, the trumpets, the guitars, all of those things. But that's not where it's at. It's about the word of God. It's about are you standing on the word. It's not about did I create a sensational of a beautiful special. But did God come down? Can we go a step further? We've still got time. I'm running out of time, but we'll just, let's go to Isaiah chapter 65. Isaiah chapter 65, we'll start at verse 16. It says that he who blesses himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of truth. That's the revelation. This isn't them that bless themselves and say, look at me. If you're going to bless yourself, you're going to do it by blessing the God of truth. And he that sweareth in the earth shall swear by the God of truth because the former troubles are forgotten, because they are hid from mine eyes. This is speaking of the millennium, the millennial reign how it would come down and he would say, listen, the former things are forgotten. He says, for behold, I create a new heaven and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. And in the next verse, verse 18, he would say, but be glad, be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem, a rejoicing and her people, a joy. Amen. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. Who's rejoicing now? The God of heaven and earth. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and the joy of my people. And the voice of weeping shall no more be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. 
I need to take a step back again. And recognize that what I've been speaking on and and all of these things that are happening, ones that would be objects of pity and objects of wrath, God is saying, I will spew them out of my mouth. In other words, I will take my word out of their mouth. They will have no part in my word. I will take the, the possibility of Christ out of them, and Christ, they are now out of Christ. Because Christ is the word. Hallelujah. But listen, that there is a promise also to those who stayed hot. I would that you were hot or cold. But because you are lukewarm, I'll spew out of my mouth. In other words, they had the word in their mouth. They had something that made them warm to a degree, but they weren't fervent in it. Therefore, they became lukewarm. Those who have trusted in the word and thereby stood the test of time, they're going to a place of great reward. Those who have stood the test of time, those who have stood with the word of God, those who have stood hot, those who have been found sighing and crying, those who have been found waiting on the Lord, there is something that hasn't even entered into their mind. They have been unable to perceive. I know every time I think about heaven, Every time I think about the New Jerusalem, I can't fathom it. I can read in the Bible. I could read about the foundations. I could read about the walls. I could read about the gates of pearl. I could read about the streets of gold. I could read about how the Lamb is the light. I could read about the tree of life. I could read about the river that flows out of the throne. I could read about all of these things. I still can't fathom it. I could read about how it's a city, yet it's as a bride adorned for her husband, comes down out of heaven, and I still can't fathom it. Are you with me? I still look at those things and I go, I still can't imagine because there's nothing here that compares to transparent gold. Something that has been so refined, that has stood the test of time, that even all of the color has been taken out of it, it's been so washed in the bleach of the blood of Christ. There's a place of great reward. One in which the memories of this life have been wiped clean. And only the grace of God is remembered. Those who have left off the word and taken in the lukewarm manner without sincerity, God has blotted them out from his word. Remember, he never forgets his promises or his judgments. Because of the lukewarmness of the church, he blots them out. But we thank God that we had a prophet today that even as he came down to the end of his ministry, he stopped referring it just as the church. He said, but the bride. That there's a group of people within a group of people. That there's a church, but in that there's a foolish virgin, but in that there's a bride. That amen, that she has caught and she is there and she is hot with the word of God. But to those whom he will have mercy, there will be those individuals that will not accept the lukewarmness of the church. Oh my. And will find mercy. Oh my. There will be those. That though they, don't, they are not a part of the bride, they will have mercy at the white throne judgment. 
There are those that even though they didn't get caught away in a rapture, even though they weren't sincere and fervent, even though they didn't have the new birth, they had to go through a tribulation. They had to seal their testimony with their own blood. And we know that's the foolish version. But there are also those at the white throne judgment that God will have grace of because in so much as just to give a cold glass of water to someone in need, amen, that will, there will be a reward to that. And there will be nations around the new Jerusalem. Forgive me, I'm jumping all over the place, but I'm trying to bring it to a certain point to close for you. But now there will be those that God will have mercy upon. And now it says that there will be those individuals that do not accept the lukewarmness of the church and they'll find mercy at the white throne judgment because there will be nations around the New Jerusalem in Revelations 22 and 2. It says in the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river where the tree, there was there a tree of life which bare 12, 12 manners of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Now you would take that and, and without the message of the hour, you would consider that there would be sickness over there. But we thank God for the message of the hour that Brother Bannon would say in the message of future home. He would say the same tree, not like Adam. There was a tree in the life of the Garden of Eden that if he might have eaten of it, he hadn't, if he hadn't fall. The tree of life reminded him all the time of his youth continually going on. See, some of the same will be the nations. The leaves will be the healing of the nations. Notice, not the sickness. You've had the same rights that Adam did, but listen, those, those leaf with the holy leaf which kings, the kings will take a leaf. They'll bring in their goods into the city and they will take the leaves from the tree of life that will be as a memorial for the healing of the nations so that they will recognize, because what is God remembering? He's not remembering the sickness. He's remembering the healing. He's not remembering the loss. He's remembering the redemption. He's not remembering the former things. All things are made new. No sickness over there. No pain. It won't even come to mind. But those leaves will be a reminder, not of the pain, but of the healing. Oh my. Not of all the pain, not of all the hardship, but of the atonement. That God is our healer. He's still our banner. Let's stand together. He's still all that we have need of. And when we get to the other side, oh, finally we'll lay down this body. Finally we'll lay down this mind. No more will those things come into remembrance. Even though now they're, 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 they're under, in the sea of God's forgetfulness, no more to be remembered by God we still have the accuser that would still bring those things up over and over and over and over again. We still got the world around us that even when you're claiming and you're believing and you're having the right mental attitude toward the divine promise of God, still they would remind you that you're sick. Still, especially in a day like today where you can't drive down the street without a sign that says, if you feel any symptoms, stay home. You don't even need a person anymore to stand there. A doctor, you don't have to go to a doctor anymore. You've got signs everywhere that want to tell you, go home, you're sick. But regardless of all of that, 
there's still a blood that just washes all of those things away. And in the eventual, in the body change, finally, there will be no more remembrance. It won't even come to mind. There won't even be an accuser to bring them to mind. Oh, it'll all be over then. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's a good song to sing, brother. Oh, I want to know you more. Deep within my soul, I want to know you. You know this song, brother? Do you know the, the verses as well? Try. No, I got you. <laughs> oh, I want to know more. Deep within my soul, I want to know you. Oh, I want to know you to feel your heart and know. That's what we want. That's what we need. To know the Lord Jesus more. To know him in the power of his resurrection. To not be bound down with the things of the world, but to let loose of anything that would be contrary to the word of God. Cast down imagination. Every thought that, that exalts itself against the word of God. Just get rid of it. I'd encourage you this morning. Just seek the Lord. Say, Lord, how can I know you more? Reveal yourself in a greater way to me so that I can live closer and closer to God so that one day I can be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. We're looking forward to that time. Won't it be a time when we get over there, when we get up yonder? Oh, my. Why don't we just change it a little bit and say, we shall see the King. There's a blessed time that's coming, coming soon. Amen. There's a blessed time that's coming, coming soon. Oh, it may be morning or at noon. Oh, the wedding of the bride, united with the groom. Oh, we shall see the King when He comes. Oh, now we shall see the King. King when he comes. Are you ready? Should the Savior call today? Would Jesus say, Well done, our go away? 
last day we shall see the king when he comes oh we shall see the king we shall see the king oh we shall see the king when he comes he's coming in power oh hail the blessed hour we shall see the king